right, welcome to Hashtag General, a uh, show about things. I random th- things. Random things. I think that covers it. Well, thanks for watching, everybody. See you next time. Yeah. I mean, that, that pretty much covers it. You really don't need to watch this show. Yeah, you, honestly, just tune, turn Unless away you- now. While you still can. While you still can, save some time, save some effort, don't get invested. Uh, Because Because we will break your hearts eventually. Yeah. Heartthrobs. Two of us. But you'll have a good time doing it. (laughs) We promise at least a mediocre time. Maybe not a good time. Overall, good time. Depends how much you pay. Yeah. Uh, That got dark quickly. (laughs) That got dark really quickly. (laughs) All right, you want to just dive in? Yeah, so what's going on, Logan? Uh, what, do you got? what do you got today? What do we got today? Um, let's just start with uh, the Pottermore news. Did you Do you follow any of the Harry Potter yes, stuff I that do. came out recently? So, so Jenny, my wife Jenny, is a very huge Potter head. So I'm guessing this news kind of, you heard about this news. So basically, as part of, I think, National Trivia Day, yes. they announced that prior to the invention of indoor plumbing by muggles, there were no bathroom facilities at Hogwarts. People would just go to the bathroom. And I just, that made me think about something I never thought I'd have to think about, which is proper bathroom etiquette. At Hogwarts, prior to there being, like, a bathroom, like, what do you do? Did you, like, raise your hand and go, Professor McGonagall, I need to go to the bathroom. And she would be like, oh, okay. And you go, like, what, stand in the corner and just relieve like, yourself? Relieve yourself. Because I don't know about you. I would like some form of privacy, like a room where I could just privately sure. take care of I my mean, business. I mean, so what, what came to mind? Because, like, I think in the in the trivia as well, they say that they, they would, like, magically evaporate. Or like yeah, they whatever, would just be get rid like... of it, right? So, my question then becomes: Have you ever seen that episode of Family Guy where where Stewie travels to different dimensions? It's a really old episode. Yeah, I think so. I've seen one. There's like one where he goes to the future where uh, like the Dark Ages of Christianity never happened. So like, yeah, so like they never burned the the Library of Alexandria, and like all, like there were never that suppression of technology and knowledge. So technology is like thousands of years more advanced yeah so in that episode brian goes oh like oh i have to poop and then he and stewie yells into the air one poop removal and like it technologically like is taken away like without him having to do anything right <laughs> so like in my head that's what i'm imagining right like they didn't actually go they, they just, just like magically like out take, of the system yeah but it's still, it's just like, everyone was talking about, like, were people just, like, being like, hold on a second, while in the middle of the hallway, and just, like, going, going like, well, again, what the hell? Magically speaking, I'm imagining in a way of, like, they don't go, it's just, like, taken care of out of their body. Yeah. And then at that point, couldn't you put a spell on the school where that would automatically just be taken automatically care happen? of? Yeah. And the thing is, too, is if that's the case, and, like, if... Mine probably doesn't make the most sense because if mine's the case, then why do you need bathrooms at all once you have them? And someone, I even saw someone going even deeper and they were like, well, what about the kids who you can't use magic until you're 11? Does that mean like your mom or dad has to basically well, they follow you be around? The, they wouldn't be at like, school anyway, right? So old, they, they, I think, what, how old was Harry when he went to the Hogwarts? 11. Yeah, so he's fine. Well, Harry was like, the muggles will have a thing, but what, like, what do the magical children do? If like their entire bathroom culture is, you just. I'm assuming if you of. live, if you're in the Muggle world still, 
you just go in an outhouse like you normally did, and your parents would just magically like, just magically get clear rid the outhouse. Yeah. No need for a septic tank. No. Just... Nonsense. Oh, <laughs> no. easier time. I saw that and I was just like, I didn't need this bit of trivia though. No, like it, it's just, and, just like, like the thing is a lot of people get on J.K. Rowling for like unnecessary what they deem as unnecessary pieces of like the hogwarts or like the harry potter universe i think it's cool i think like lore is cool i'm kind of a lore nerd i know you are too yeah so like all this stuff's cool and i'm i'm totally in on her creating all kinds of weird and different stuff this one i'm not sure that was that was my thought too i'm like i'm totally fine with jk rowling like explaining her thought process or being like, oh no, this or that about the universe, yeah, as yeah, much yeah. as I know there's a lot of people who are upset about it. This was the first time I was like, okay, maybe maybe someone needs to put a filter on. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't think I would ever have to have a conversation or a thought about proper bathroom usage in Hogwarts. Right. No, like, totally, it just was totally like something it. I was would have been totally happy <laughs> never discussing. But here right. we are. Totally. <laughs> so, no. Totally right. Right on. Uh, anything else you want to talk about before we go in? Any no. other bathroom news? No? No. I'm trying to potty train my daughter. That's about it. That's, that's about it. That's a well, fun thing. I guess it's... I guess this was kind of relevant, relevant to your yeah. life. A little bit. Yeah. Just a smidge. Maybe... maybe you It would just, make my life a lot easier if I could just make it go just away. magic it away. Yeah. yeah. All right. So I guess let's jump into tech stuff. Yeah. What do you got? All right. So CES was this past week. I don't yep. know. Were you following anything? A little bit. Out? Yeah. A little bit. Again, I always feel like... I feel like I've been this way for a while where... Remember when Macworld was a thing? Yeah. Where Apple would have its own conference at like either a similar time or used close to it? Yeah. And especially close to the iPhone, it was like no one cared about CES. Everyone was more like, what's Apple going to announce? Right. So I, I, I just don't pay attention to CES anymore. <laughs> CES has some weird and cool stuff. Yeah, it has some weird and cool stuff. But there were a couple things that caught my eye that I did want to bring up. Did you see the TV that LG showed off? Was it the roll-up one? Yeah. Yeah. So, so your house can be an evil lair. <laughs> yeah. So if you haven't lo- followed anything at all in terms of CES it's, uh, news, basically LG created a rolling TV. So basically you would have like a base. They have like a projector. And like, yeah, a projector screen would like come up out from the bottom. So anytime you were like not going to watch the TV... You could just hide the screen. And everyone was like, holy crap, because one of the things that you sometimes hear is how people don't like how television has become the fixture in the living room. Right. So, like, Samsung allies, do you play, like, display artwork when it's not in use? Or, like, Apple has, like, their backgrounds on the Apple TV. And everyone was like, this is the future. We can have, like, a TV that kind of just folds up and just goes away. Right. I mean... So let me clarify too. It's not a projector screen. It looks it. It is like a projector screen where it folds up out of the. the it's base, the actual TV it, screen itself that's yeah, folding. But but it's it's not a projector. It is a LCD, and I think it's an LCD screen. It's either LCD or uh, OLED. But it's, yeah, but it, it's not a projector screen. So don't think like when we say projector screen, we're using it as the form factor, not the actual yes um, technology within the TV. So yeah. it is a high quality screen that you're looking at. Um, I, th- I think when I saw it, like the Verge was saying, if they put it on the market, it was going to be like twenty thousand yeah, dollars. It's ridiculous. But- so I'm of the f- I'm of the sort of group that 
I don't like the folding motion. I I just don't I don't know if I would use that and like plus it just becomes an empty space then. Right. Anyway. So are you going to put like artwork behind where the TV is right. supposed to be? You can't or are you going to have like an empty Because you can't put anything on top of it, right? So you, because you, it would have to fold up, right? Yeah. So you'd still have this big empty space. I'm actually a fan of the glass panel that has the, L, this, that the, has the, the kind of the screen built in. Right. Yeah. Um, that you can look through when it's off. I actually really like that. I think that's really classy. Um, I can see that being a bigger thing than the, this one, this one feels kind of almost like a little too niche. To yeah. ever be mainstream again, it's like an evil layer thing. It's like a, this would be really cool. You know, it's gonna it's gonna make it's appearance like, in like the next Bond movie. Yeah, it's like when you have like a you're like I want a security system, and you're like, what are you gonna get? Laser grid. What? <laughs> you, they have those now. You can get a laser grid in your house. Okay. Like, so basically, I can go in to break into that person's house, do like the Hollywood the, the, spray yeah, the, of the dust, and then yeah. immediately see. It. Okay. Yeah. So, That's a thing now. So basically, 90s movie spy thriller ways of getting around home security will become relevant. Yeah. Ejector seat's next. <laughs> okay. I just kind of want to see, like, Logan's face pasted on Catherine Zeta-Jones' body. <laughs> yeah. Logan Zeta-Jones, he sneaks lasers. <laughs> that would be one weird-looking face on that body. <laughs> just a thumbnail? No, you need a pic... He needs the pic... No, he needs the picture... Of him when he had the long hair and the be- and the longer beard. And the longer beard. <laughs> uh, loved it. It's like the Fabio picture he had from a couple years ago. Oh, yeah. Gotta love the Fabio picture. I love that picture. That's my favorite picture of Logan. <laughs> um, but speaking of folding and rolling, apparently uh, like this third-party company that no one's ever heard of actually has put out the first foldable phone. Yeah. Showed that, that off at one. CES. And then Wall Street Journal broke that samsung is expected to announce their first foldable galaxy class phone yeah i think hallway as well february. is going to do one too but yeah you said so, so you don't like the whole folding thing go into detail because i'm actually sitting there going the more i think of it the more i'm like how would i use that i can't yeah. really see myself so using like it. i the only reason i would like the foldable design for a phone is like the same reason why i like the ds in terms of a portable gaming device because of like the clamshell nature of it protects the screen and I don't have to worry about scratching or like damage. Yeah. So I can throw it, I can be more aggressive of like throwing it in my pocket, throwing it in a backpack, throwing whatever. Like I don't have to worry about it, right? Like my phone right now, I keep it in my right pocket with nothing else. Yeah, I'm the same with my phone. Right, right pocket, or in this case right here, um, nothing else because otherwise, like if it gets with my keys, I know that's going to be the moment I scratch it. Right, or like even even my wallet or my AirPods or like whatever else I have in my pocket needs to go in the left side because nothing can go in the right side yeah. with the phone, right? Like this is a concern. But if there was a clamshell design with a foldable screen, I that no longer can... have to worry about that problem. The thing is that I don't quite know how that would function in terms of like would you have a crease in your screen over time because when i would it like how would i use it one-handed would it like would i have to flip it open like a flip phone and then it would lock into place because then how would i close it one-handed like these are all when i was reading the verge article they basically described it to where the first off the key problem actually wouldn't go away from the way they made it sound where like the screen is on the outside of the clamshell rather than the inside yeah see that and and then they're like and then you have like two android phone interfaces on either side 
but I think it's still like one phone. You can just use whatever side, but it's still just like that doesn't solve the screen problem. And what like is the think. purpose? Yeah. And then can you like, can we like sit there and hold it between us and have like two phone calls going? Like, how like, that would be a weird way of be, call sharing. I know, but, yeah. but it's like UI wise and like usability wise, I'm just not sure. I think it's cool tech. I yeah. don't think it's necessary tech. Yeah, that's where I'm at. <laughs> is I'm like, it's cool, but. Until I see a use case where it makes sense, it might right. never leave cool factor and go into usability, usability yeah. or main consumer use. Right. Because it's like the flat pane of glass design that we have now works. Yeah. I mean, we thought that about like BlackBerry. Like we we're like, BlackBerry works. BlackBerry's good. And yeah. then like iPhone came out and you're like, oh, dang. Hey, remember when everyone was like, oh, you need the keyboard, but it's like, no, you, you, you just need the software keyboard. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I, 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 and I think Verge's take on it too was even like it kind of sucks. And yeah, I, I think that's just where that tech is going to sit. Is it's going to be cool, but until like unless it's somehow going to make it a more resilient screen, yeah. that tech might get in. Is if it's somehow it's like oh it's less prone to like scratches or breaking, then the tech is going to be used just on your regular old phone. Yeah, it won't just fold, the- but it's you're like you can now put your keys in the same pocket. Yeah. Like that's the, all I want. The pocket space will be less of a concern. Right. And like I took a big risk with my iPhone 10, I didn't put a screen protector on it. Yeah, I haven't actually on a side note, I haven't used screen protector since my 4. Yeah. I've um, uh I've I've taken a stand against screen protectors for well, I now. I even don't have a case on my phone. Admittedly, I'm still rocking the SE and the thing is but basically like, the Nokia this, brick. This still doesn't like you haven't had a lot of wear and tear on this. And the crazy thing is, is I drop it all the time. I know you're a clumsy human being. Yeah, but like th- this isn't actually bad at all. So, so like there's a couple I, I think things basically here and there, but like, like going right into like just phones in general. I think more than anything, it's less like cool features and more make what we. It's well, it's iteration. About this, right? It's iteration less um, new features, which actually kind of leads into the whole Apple and Samsung and LG debacle in terms of their quarter profits right. for last year, which. If you haven't heard, basically every cell phone manufacturer has announced that they are going to miss their projections for the end of year 2018. And it's like, it's. One of those scenes where everyone freaked out because there's been the like there's always been this Apple is doomed mantra in tech press and then everyone's like, see, we were right, and then it was like Samsung broke and then LG broke, and it's like, no, this is an industry wide thing. A lot of people have said, Oh, it's because of just trade with China not being as strong as it's been, especially with just how relationships are working now. Sure. But I think it's saturation of the market. I think I think it's saturation of the market. Um I Wall Street Journal, I think it was Wall Street Journal, had a, no, it was Wired, sorry. Wired had an interesting piece where they were talking were about what they said as the silver lining of all this bad news about the quarter. And they said, this is good for consumers because A, it means that you don't feel like you need to upgrade as often to get a new phone, which means you're saving money in that regard. And B, for Apple specifically, they said that locks in your customers in longer term. They're going to be more invested in your ecosystem, so this might be a good thing overall. But yeah, I think to your point, we're seeing just the iteration aspect of phones. It's no longer the new big thing on the phone because the next big thing, like the rumor is, Apple's going to add a third camera yeah. to the phone. And 
that's kind of... I mean, so, like, as a tech person, as someone that uses their phone for content or, you know, for a job... Yeah. I'm super happy about the third camera. How many people does it actually affect, right? Not that many, I think. And, like, and the thing is... Well, I mean, they look at the 10R. It only has the one camera, and the average person just hasn't been yeah. impacted at all. Adding a third camera, it's because the thing is, like, you're not going to notice, like, the third camera, the savability, all the stuff that's going to, all the stuff is going to help you with. People like you and I and James are going to notice. The average person isn't. Yeah, and like they really don't care. Like, hey, my the picture of my soup looks great. Yeah, today. and they they're right. gonna just notice how the pictures all look better, but they're not necessarily going to care about. It almost feels like we're running into the megapixel problem, where right. everyone was more concerned about the, the amount of p- megapixels rather than the quality of right. the camera, and just adding another camera in. Like, they're gonna have to like take something else out of the phone or right. something, or work some Apple magic, but. Like, so the thing that I'm, I kind of equate this to, and the thing I want to see from it, I think we'll move into sort of where graphics cards are in the and and where they have been sort of in the in period of time in the last like decade, where it's innovation, 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 and they push it to like where it can't get any better in its current state, and then it'll sit for a while, and then all of a sudden, big boom, something happens where it's like, oh, we can now do this, like yeah. smaller microchips or whatever it is. And then, boom, now all these new cards come out, right? Yeah. Cause, and then innovation, 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 and then it stops. Because the only, if you would, I would argue that the biggest innovation we've been seeing in phones is just the amount of processing power right. they can handle now. And the average person isn't going to notice and no, not be like... But that A7 chip is incredible. Well, yeah, oh, my all, God. Yeah, like all the chips Apple's been making have been amazing, but... Tell that to someone who isn't necessarily in tune with that aspect of technology. Oh, hey, you should get this new phone because the processor is amazing. No one's going to care, especially when their phone that they still have works just fine. And even right. with like the latest update with iOS 12 with Apple, their older phones started working better because Apple worked a lot on the foundations of the device. Right. So I think when everyone freaked out over, oh my God, Apple is missing their projected earnings i think this has kind of been inevitable we would inevitably hit a point where the market was going to again become kind of saturated and you wouldn't be able to put out a new device and everyone would jump and upgrade right people are now going to upgrade on a slower schedule which means that we aren't going to see these explosive quarters anymore but no one everyone who's doomsaying this the economy or it wasn't Apple sustainable. Or, like, yeah. It, you're basically trying to ride the wave as much as possible. And, and the only way they could ride that wave anymore is because the North American market, especially in the United States has been saturated and been fine for a while. All the growth that they've been seeing has been international. Right. So if there's any issues going on internationally, like with trade right now, it's going to impact the bottom line. Sure. So any, like a lot of the, every, all the people wanting to write the hot take about Apple was doomed was concentrating on the wrong thing, which is it's a, this was inevitable and B it's probably not going to change much at all. Right. Other than, and I think overall it's going to be a good thing. I think, I think the phone market has been such a popular and like high selling thing. Like we've been saying that I think, lessening maybe a focus on that and then pushing trying to maybe push your brand or push your company into other innovations in other product lines yeah. is going to help a ton in the long like I'm excited for that, right? Yeah. Well like I'm kinda of bored of the phone thing. Yeah. I'm I need to upgrade my phone more because I need to upgrade my phone rather than I want the 
new hotness. Right. Um, but, but, like, but like if we can get cool, like I would love to get more audio tech from Samsung. Like Samsung used to make really cool audio stuff. And yeah. Like they well, don't do that anymore because they're focused on their Galaxy phones. And like, Did you also see the bit, though, that like Apple said that the watch is as profitable as the iPod was? Remember when the yeah. iPod was the biggest thing? Oh, like, dude. It's, that's where I think we're going to start seeing more things that are more that are innovation it's gonna not be the phone it's gonna be peripherals it's right gonna be wearables totally into that so like i have i still have my my series zero apple watch yeah are you just, i'm still i'm wearing you're it right now it. it's, yeah. a, it's a series zero i've had it for almost seven years now yeah you got it it's na- it's launch. it's now it's now ancient in terms of tech and and barely runs because <laughs> I updated the software and I was like I don't really care so now it's a notification machine rather it can't run apps very well but uh, yeah I, I would love to see some innovation and stuff like that like yeah. the, like the new Apple Watch is awesome with the fall tech and stuff like that it's great yeah so it's I th- again it's just kind of everyone jumped on the headline without thinking the whole thing yeah and that was the night i guess the nice thing about well not nice but the thing the moment the samsung news broke it was like everyone who's like apple was doomed was like oh wait we can't run that headline yeah anymore. everyone's everyone's falling back yeah, every, yeah and i think again i think it's a good thing yeah i'm wondering i don't see this as negative yeah i'm wondering if we're gonna soon hit the point where instead of seeing an annual release if we're gonna start seeing a release every two years or if they do an annual release it's not gonna be like a new phone body but they maybe update the processor right or just it's gonna be I even apple, more iterative i think with apple and samsung like samsung's been on the like all the the last like four galaxies have looked the same pretty much um, maybe like button placement here or there. It's a yeah. little different. Uh, but, and it's helped usability. I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying like it's very minimal changes. Apple, I think, has hit with the iPhone 10 model with the once now that they've moved to like taking away the home button and moving to like no yeah. be, like bezel less screens. I think we've hit a point where it's like they have very little places to go. Yeah, like, the only thing they can do now is remove the notch. That's, like, the only yeah. thing they have I mean, left. Remove, remove the notch or, like, change positioning of the side buttons or add yeah. a side button or a rear, maybe a rear fingerprint scanner. Like, stuff like that, right? Is really yeah. all you can go from here. But it, from, like, when the way you use the camera and you hold the camera, it's going to be indistinguishable. Yeah. Until they remove the notch and then... Right. Then it will be like a flat piece of glass from now till the end of time. Right. Anything else tech wise you feel like we should cover? Uh, no, but go, go, if you're interested in tech, go look at just like CES articles and just kind of click around. You see some weird stuff. There's some, there was some crazy stuff. And like stuff that's not great. Like there's a, there's a, someone made a $80 portable NES that uses the cartridge. And so, but, it's $80, and it uses the cartridge, which sounds awesome, but it's a screen that is this small, and it, the device is, like, gigantic. Like it, it's like you're holding an NES in your hands, and you stuff the cartridge in the top. It's yeah. not great. CES is But like it a- looks cool. I'm, to- I'm down with it. I wouldn't use it ever. Yeah, CES is a mix of tech that is either too expensive, unless you have, like... Bezos level of money. Yeah. Or you're a supervillain, and you're just going to steal it. Right. Tech that's either... So, either... Never going to be sold, too expensive, or just crazy. And there's some 
brilliant stuff out there that you know it's gonna like it's like the foldable phone right you know it's probably never gonna get major market penetration but the tech within it is going to influence right. everything after so cs is just a good thing to follow i was surprised at the lack of vr and ar at yeah CES. it's i guess this is good uh, i like up. we've been on the vr ar no ar has been like on the back burner for a long time because unless I think, you're apple or google well google glass i think they stopped right i think they're yeah. like yeah we're not doing that anymore they're like this is a dumb idea this is a bad idea personally i thought that was a cool idea i was totally into google glass <laughs> i would have if they could make google glass smaller and fit into my glasses yeah, basically, i would totally wear those yeah but i think the fact you wore this big bulky like 80s style like cyborg yeah you look like a hacker from the 80s yeah it's you stood out and that's what made everyone uncomfortable because it was like it's already bad enough that you can have your photo taken anywhere but now it's like is this person recording me in the conversation or right. i mean so there's that vr i think we've been on the precipice of vr for a long time and like everyone thinks of when you think of vr you think of like entertainment and gaming experiences yeah i think that there's more like there's a lot in there that's not gaming entertainment related that they yeah. could be using it for and like but we then just haven't figured it out yet then i think it's the company's called void they're the ones that they i want to go because they have it in glendale they the have star wars the experience? star wars experience yeah, where they've amazing. done like vr but it's actually more like take vr put it in like an escape room type thing to right. where where in the virtual reality if you're like reaching for a switch there's an actual switch there yeah um just to kind of build up that experience like there's so yeah. many i've heard that's awesome but stuff that's like uh i have a lot of friends that have moved over here from europe and like they play vr there's like a vr werewolf or like mafia style game where you know you're sitting around in a circle trying to figure out who's who right like yeah you know, one of those kind of games like it's in vr and like my friends play that game just so they could spend time and hang out with their friends from back home yeah and like those kind of experiences where it is more of a communication and device to like connect i think is special that like we're not really utilizing it for right now yeah i mean it's now it it doesn't help that it's an expensive entry point to get to that stuff yeah it's like what an entry level vr set is going to put you back well at i mean least... if, you get v, if you get psvr right that's so, even isn't that 200 bucks yeah it's 200 bucks and then plus the box is like another so it'd be like 500 right? yeah but then if you're talking about like high end ones where you're talking about like Oculus or Vive, right? Vive and Oculus, I think Oculus is seven hundred just for the device, and then Vive is a thousand just for the device, plus the PC to run it. Yeah. So that's you know, maybe two grand total. for a limited number of games and a limited number of people you can play with. Right. It's... So like PSVR is really your entry point of like seven hundred dollars if you don't have anything, right? Yeah. So that's not bad. No, it's yeah, I didn't hit me until you put it up but yeah that there was no ar vr stuff at yeah. ces surprising because that's been like everyone's been hype on that for years now I, and like everyone's been like this is the new thing i wonder how much is everyone says oh this is the new thing there's a part of me in the back of my head that has always wondered if the barrier is going to be first off for vr it's not just that you have to spend a thousand dollars on the headset it's the headset yeah. and all the other stuff to where Almost everyone you hear virtual reality, I almost am like, it's not going to take off until you can like matrix it and you can just like jack, jack in. in. Well, uh, like I wasn't a big, I wasn't a big VR person until uh, I started using. So when when I was working at Machinima, we had a we had a Vive in the office, 
And so I was using that almost daily. And like, that was, I love that thing. Like, Vi like Vive is such a special device. And like, I've used PSVR since then and like Oculus since then. Nothing touches Vive, but like, they're all great experiences and like really are different from anything I've had in like a gaming sense. Um, and I remember putting my dad in there for the first time and my dad was like, oh yeah, this is like, cause my dad's very skeptical too. And he was like, oh, this is a game changer. Like this is, this is a cool thing. I think once people get into it, once you experience like, it, you're just like, okay, I'm you're, like, you're like, oh, okay. Now I get it. Right. Um, but again, it's just how many people have that chance to do that. Right. Yeah, no, it's one of the things I've been wanting and I always feel like I've seen, I think someone tried to kickstart something like this. I want like AR Dungeons and Dragons. Like I oh, want to be able to totally like, play, it. set up like a play mat and all that and just be able to move my miniature around but have like a living world on the table through my phone. That That's that's my dream that I'll never be able to make and I want someone <laughs> to make for me. But I just want to be able to play Yu-Gi-Oh with my dual <laughs> disc. Okay. I'm sure I'm sure that's gonna happen. Oh, At some point it's gonna be like Pokemon AR. Well they had they had a I mean Pokemon Go is Pokemon V AR. Yeah. But uh they had I think a Yu Gi Oh tournament in Hong Kong. I'm gonna say Hong Kong, I'd be mistaken. They did a thing where you're playing Yu Gi Oh and they, they had the for the stream they had the, the monsters come up through the cards which is great it's really cool but i want that to happen in real time with i wear a dual disc and it shoots out holograms off of my thing i want it uh I want it real bad yeah. anything else <laughs> no moving right. on continue we've, on. We've, all, like, we've beaten this topic right. death. i'm like now fantasizing about things i shouldn't be fantasizing <laughs> so, continue yeah james is checking something out i'm not worried we're all good all right then james let's move on to movies there's drag racing going on inside yeah Maybe we should just go like end this and go see Fast and Furious. Fast. <laughs> is that just, is that a movie topic? Uh, it's not a movie topic. I know there were some uh, press images that came out. There's for the Shaw. There's Hobbs Sean and Shaw yeah. coming out. Have you heard the full title of that? By the way, no. It's Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. <laughs> that is almost bad as Lee Daniels the Butler. By the way, I worked with a producer on and that, that's so I feel a, like I can. As much as I love the movie, it's as bad as uh, uh, it's a. Uh, Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Okay? Yeah, it's like... like uh... but no, but seriously, the the full title of that film is Fast and Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw. They they should have done Hobbs and Shaw, a Fast and Furious story. Like, they should have just, <laughs> just, just ripped it. off Lucasfilm on that one. Uh, I'm into it. But I do have some topics lined up, but I know you want to talk about uh, Spider-Man. Yeah. So... I went in with high expectations. So, full disclosure, I knew about this movie b probably before anyone else did. So, I when we were at ArcLight, uh, I did one of the movie, one of the uh, we used to do screenings all the time for companies that are like company screenings, right? So, we did one for Sony where they were testing trailers out um, in front of like. I don't know if there's stockholders or shareholders or whatever. They're doing, they're doing something where it's like, here are movies that no one knows about that are, that are like... So it was a trade event or a company Yeah, a trade event. event or a company event, whatever. And so I got to watch all those trailers. And in that trailer was the first uh, trailer, like 10-second teaser, I guess you could even call it a trailer, for this film. I remember you telling me about it and just being like, it's 10 seconds long and it's amazing. Yeah, it's awesome. So I, I've been like really high on this film since then. And really excited to see where it's going. And I'm, I love all the people involved. They have one of the best voice casts I've ever seen in an animated film. Like, it's great. Uh, and I, so I went in with high expectations. 
uh, I saw some of the previews before and everyone's like hyping it up. And so, full spoilers for anyone that hasn't seen the movie, when it starts with the Comic Code Authority logo, <laughs> I was like, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I'm 100% man. in, right? And then and then it goes, it does the introduction of Peter Parker, which is Chris Pine, by the way. Yeah. So he, they do the full thing of like, he has a TV show. They use the old 60s Spider-Man theme song. They do the popsicle that everyone's eaten at least one of in their entire lives. <laughs> right? Like, all, all this stuff. And I was like, I'm totally in. And then they get to Miles, and then they, they, do the, they have him sing Sunflower, um, which is like a Post Malone, Swally song. And I've, I love that song. Like, I think that song, like, speaks to me. And, like, I didn't know that they were using that song for this movie. Oh, and so, so you were just so like... So I was just like, wait, hold on, this movie's hitting all my buttons. And so, like, from there, I was just, like, in. I, it's one of the few movies where... They made it for you. Well, like, no, well, yes, but, like, it's one of the few movies where, like, I always love to discuss things, like, in the middle of the movie, or, like, like, if, like, I think if, when we were, uh, I think when we saw Force Awakens, I, like, leaned over to you, and I was like, they're gonna run in, and it's gonna be the Millennium Falcon. Like, I'm just like, you know what I mean? And then, like, and they did you know, it. It know? wasn't me, because I remember where there was, like, ten people in our group for Force Awakens, and I think you and I were, like, on opposite ends. Oh, yeah, okay, so, no, it was Jenny, it was Jenny, so I was like, so, like, I like to lean over and be like, I think this is gonna happen, and then when it call, when I call it, I can be like, I called it, right? Like, <laughs> you, you gotta, like, you gotta shoot your shot, right? You gotta, yeah. so then, so, like, I'm a big fan of doing that, right? And, like, this week, I totally was just, like, in. I was like, I don't care. And, like, the thing is funny is, like, I've... I have all the Spider-Verse comics. I've read through Ultimate Spider-Man. I've read through Spider-Gwen. I've read through all this stuff. I know all these characters very well. So I kind of know the story and, like, where they're going. Um, but, like, there's a, there's surprises in there. There's things that I didn't expect. There's a lot of stuff where, like, even though I knew some of what was coming and I knew the characters, like, it still was intriguing and, like, it, it kept my interest the entire time. Um, flat out, this movie's special. <laughs> like, I don't even know where to start. I walked out of the movie and was just like, this was, like, I was expecting it to be good because I, I thought it looked good. I liked, like, the animation style and all that. Right. And I walked out and I'm like, this was way better than I thought it was ever oh, going yeah, to be. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, when That's it, kind of the point I wanted to get across. Of, like, I had high expectations walking in and it, like, blew past all of my expectations. Yeah, and then, like, it walked away with, like, the Golden Globe and I'm like, yeah. 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 And it, and the thing is, it's crazy. It, it It's out in a year that Incredibles 2 came out and Record Ralph came out. Yeah. And, like, I don't care about any of those movies anymore. Like, yeah, it's, I love them, but like it's not this one. Yeah, no, Spider Man was special, and it, it's like everything from beginning to end just was pitch perfect. Yeah, like they hit on every joke. Uh, there was no like you know you walk out of a movie and you go, I feel like I could cut out like thirty minutes of that. Yeah, right? there was nothing I could cut out. Every line hit probably the way they intended it to hit. Like, oh my god! Like, dude, yeah. the the three parts that get to me every time. It's one. It's the it's when Miles is running out with the monitor, and he goes, "Good news, we don't need this," and he throws the monitor off, right? Like stuff like that. Right? <laughs> like that's a little joke that that hit me real hard. The um, the Doc Ock reveal. The Doc Ock reveal is great. Yeah. Um, like that whole that whole sequence is great. But like the part where they're doing the eulogy, it's a real touching scene of Mary Jane giving the big speech of like, yeah. anyone can be a hero, blah blah." blah. And then Miles goes, he's counting on me. And the guy leans yeah. over and just like completely takes the air out of the room and goes, I don't think he means you literally. 
<laughs> but it was like, no, like, no, no, it is you, yeah, literally. It's so great. And then the third part was anything that Nicolas Cage did. Anything Nicolas Cage, like the Rubik's Cube stuff was great. Or he just was like, I don't get this. I don't get this. I'm taking this cube with me. I don't get it, but I will. And yeah. stuff like that, right? Or there's there's a throwaway line he has that I, I, I say it now all the time to Jenny. And like she doesn't, so Jenny hasn't seen the movie yet. So we're probably going to go again on Tuesday and I'm going to take her to see it. Um, so I'm curious to see from like, because she's, she's an artist and she's, she's a, I, I made her read the Spider-Man comics because I thought <laughs> I thought she would love them, and she did. Um, but she's not like a superhero or comic book fan or Spider-Man fan. But she enjoys the stories that I've had her read. Um, and she's again, she's an artist, so I'm curious to see how she reacts to the film. I know she'll love it. I'm curious to see if her reaction is as strong as it is to me and my dad, who's like a lifelong Spider-Man fan, right? Yeah. Like I'm curious to see if she has the same connection to it. Um, but like, dude, the I say to, I've been saying it to Jenny. It's the moment where. Uh, the Sinister Six come to Aunt May's house and they have the big brawl and Aunt May said something like, can you guys take it outside? And Spider-Man Noir from the background, it's not even like focused on, it's just in the background says in the in the old 30s voice goes like, we don't pick the ballroom, we just dance. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> That's right. No, I, I loved, because um, it's Lily Tomlin yeah. as Aunt May and it just was like so not what you would expect for Aunt May because we always like have this idea of Aunt May being like the, the loving, frail caring, old frail old woman. Yeah. And nope, she's just like not having any of the shenanigans. Yeah. She basically is like the Alfred to... Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. She's like Peter Parker's Alfred. And it's just like I loved that. I loved that they took Aunt May and just were like, nope, she's kind of a badass. Right. Um, the the crazy part is like I started reading a ton about this movie after I saw it and like do you hear the the rumor that or not the rumor but kind of like the confirmed thing that Andrew Garfield, uh, Tobey Maguire and Tom Holland were all in talks to like be part of this movie. Really? Yeah. So like they were gonna do different like movie versions of them. Too. I was half wondering if they weren't gonna try to at some point in like a sequel to a combination of live action with I animation. I would love that. Which would be. Because first off, like this, um, a lot of the Spider-Man stuff in MCU is all CGI. Yeah. So it wouldn't be too hard to put in MCU Spider-Man. No, absolutely. And not. do it, Marvel. Do it. I mean, I, dude, I would have loved like, and I kind of agreed. I think they decided not to put them in there because it would have taken away from. Yeah, too it, much. I think it would have taken away from this story. Yeah, but I can but see like, them in, doing a it sequel, in the future. Like, dude, I would love to see Holland and and McGuire and 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 uh, Garfield. It's just like together in a movie because like the first <laughs> just have the, toby mcguire go oh you did the dance too yeah so like the 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 funny thing is like the spider-man that they bring up the first spider-man you see so the chris pine spider-man yeah. is like an amalgamation of all of the like the basically Spider-Man, everything right? they showed was like the raimi trilogy right but like on a twist right yeah. so like he's dancing in the red suit instead of the black one right uh when they're in the coffee shop and the car comes flying in he doesn't grab Mary Jane and, like, dive forward. He just punches the car. Yeah. Right? Um, the upside-down kiss thing. Mary Jane's Mary upside Jane's down. Mary Jane's one upside-down. Right? Yeah, like, it's... Stuff like that. Like, it's all... It's they played all, on it, but it was all in reference all the, to it. Yeah, yeah, it's all the reference to the Raimi trilogy, which is great. I loved it. Yeah, but... No, like, that movie was just fantastic. Yeah. I Incredible. I, I was blown away by how much I loved that movie. Did you know they animated it on ones and twos, too? 
Really? Yeah. So like, uh, there's they there's a gif of it on Twitter where they slow it down. You can see it. Um, but in the scene where they're running out of the facility with the computer, and Miles throws the bagel, right? So in that scene when they're running, Miles is animated on frames one, three, five, seven. So he moves one, three, five, seven, and then Peter animates and moves on two, four, six, eight. Really? Yeah. So that's why it looks herky jerky, and it gives you. Well, like it's the, a nice little. I, I. It's a nice effect. Yeah, it gives you like the comic booky yeah. kind of like uh, stop motion looking kind of effect. Uh, it looks awesome, but like, yeah, that's how they achieved it. Was like, it's on ones and twos. That's that's really cool. Yeah. So, I guess let's move on from Spider-Man into other things. Sure. What do you got? All right. So, uh, it broke from an interview with Kevin Feige that they are saying that Endgame trailers will only feature the. They're not saying it's a hard first twenty minutes, but it's they're gonna mainly have it be. I would, all content I would have the first 20 minutes which is I would have thought the same thing too I think Feige is the kind of producer is kind of aware of that's how like the fan base right. wants to be able to go into the movie and not feel like these big moments have been spoiled by the trailer right so you can't stop Sam Jackson though you hear about that right uh no what did he do oh he likes he, he was doing an interview and he like spoiled some stuff <laughs> of course I mean, well, you're just going to put him think... and Mark Ruffalo on a stage together, and you'll well, like, probably okay. get the entire movie. Well, like, everyone everyone knows about the rumors with Endgame, right? You know the rumors with the time travel stuff, right? Yes. Like, everyone, everyone's aware of that. So, someone, uh, I think, I forget who did the interview. You can look it up. Uh, they're asking Samuel Jackson about, like, hey, what's it like being Captain Marvel? Like, what is it, what is Captain Marvel like as a character? Like, blah, blah, blah. And he kept he goes into the big thing of like how powerful she is, like how, yeah. all the stuff we know, right? And then it sort of goes into like, well, remember she's one of the few characters in the MCU that can time travel and blah blah blah, and just kind of throws it in there. Right? Throw, oh shit! And like, and like everyone's like, oh, 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 this this changes things. <laughs> yeah, and so like confirms. But, like, he, like, just kind of threw it in there, right? And, like, oh, okay. I don't I know not, if you should have did that. I did not know that bit. But yeah, so that, that, <laughs> that totally takes things into account that, I mean, we everyone's theory was some form of time travel. Yeah, or and, like, I would have expected it, like, everyone expected it to be Hank Pym and, like, uh, like the Pym particle tech. Yeah. Going into, like, you know, whatever the... the the, all, all we know is somehow Ant-Man figured out how to get out yeah. of the quantum space. But. So, like, you know, I don't know. But, like, that, knowing that Captain Marvel can time travel makes it a lot easier yeah, to, like, may, figure yeah, out, right? We're going to have some time travel going on. But I do like the fact that they're ba- that Feige's like, no, we're not going to spoil anything. And I wish, I wish more marketing departments well, would function with that in mind. I get how in some cases... I think I told you what I wanted. I want... I I wanted them to not do anything with any of just like here's a poster, here's a teaser of what the logo looks like. That's oh, all we're giving you for like yeah, eight they months. Could, Endgame could get away with that. Yeah, I think even episode nine, nine could get, could away, get with away with that. But you know they're not going to do it because they want it on everyone's mind. Oh yeah, they're not going to. But, but could you imagine the frenzy that people would go into of like, oh my god, what is this movie? Well, the other thing, yeah, because the thing too is. The moment that trailer hits, people like you and me are going to watch it multiple times. I figured out. Like, like I think I've even done this with some Star Wars trailers. I'll go, like, frame by frame, yeah. try to, like, f- see if I can't glean anything about it. And just, I like the idea that if 
all I get is from like the very very beginning of the film that means I can go into the film and not feel like yeah. it's been taken away I feel because, like Infinity War did that really well too like, I think even Infinity though they War showed well. a lot I, w- I didn't feel like it hindered my experience at all yeah cause I it's something Less I find I too. interesting is if you go back and watch old movie trailers about how much they give away even compared to trailers today yeah and some it the theory I've heard and I agree with is back when those trailers were being made in like the 70s and 80s because those are the main ones I watch are like the old Star Wars trailers yeah. no one was going to be able to like download it and go frame by oh, frame dude, so- you would have to like go to the theater to watch that trailer and you would forget so much because yeah you you couldn't just sit there and like surround yourself with dude. that one piece of media so, for so long. the one that I made fun of recently I might be getting this wrong someone has to correct me the when I went to go see Spider-Man there was a movie trailer for I think it's called A Dog's Way Home oh you see the entire movie in the trailer yeah like dude <laughs> okay the dog is back home at the end of the trailer yeah we see it in the trailer I mean, we see it in he the sees trailer. the dog and I'm like well this movie's over but the thing that I felt crazy is in the theater people were like Oh, that looks good. Let's go see that one. I'm like, you've no. already seen it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I already know what that movie's about. We've seen the entire movie. It befriends a cougar, and uh, that's it. You it know, fights a wolf. fights a wolf. It, it, it's over. We've seen the entire movie in the trailer. See, that's that's why I'm glad that Endgame, they're like, yeah, it's only going to be like the first 20 or so minutes. It's, you know, I'm Thanos not going to... gets the dog back home. Yeah. <laughs> the dog shows up and Thanos is like Gamora uh, you're not Gamora <laughs> totally with it but speaking of Avengers um, apparently in a last ditch effort to make the Oscars actually have something going on that's not just yeah they're gonna reunite the Avengers they're gonna try to reunite the Avengers it's like uh, I, the one uh, to just touch briefly on the Oscars this is the only thing I've wanted to talk about was I don't know if you saw this on Reddit someone came up with I think the best solution to the hosting problem I think they came up with it too late for them to do it but I want it to happen next year the Oscars hosted by the Muppets yes I like, saw that they, they, they basically broke it down and I was just like I, I will watch the Oscars now like because yeah. here's the thing I even though I work in the industry, I haven't watched the Oscars in years. Oh. I watch like the monologue on YouTube the next day, but once I've done that and I've read all like I can read who won and I've accomplished basically the entire Oscar Oscar experience without actually having to watch it, I would watch the Muppets hosting the Oscars. Oh, yeah. I would I would host a viewing party of the Muppets hosting the Oscars because it would be that much I think fun. Yeah, absolutely. I would, they need to spice it up a little. Yeah, like that would be great. Because, I don't know, they haven't had no hosts for the Oscars since the 80s. And they said it was because of the opening. And I finally watched the opening from like the 1989 or whatever Oscars. Right. And it starts out and I'm like, oh, this is okay. It's like It seems like your normal Oscar skit. Right. Where it's like Snow White as a character rather than like a host. Sure. But as it continues, it like starts to Wait. go into it becomes like this big musical number, but it's like imagine a high school caliber like show right. with 
Oscar production values. And that's basically what it is. And it's like this weird, very slow train wreck of 11 minutes that ends with Rob Lowe and Snow White singing a duet. And it's just like, when I first started watching, I'm like, I don't get why everyone said this killed the hostless Oscars. And by the end, I'm like, oh, God. Never do this again. <laughs> so, have you seen? Have you seen the Hollywood Reporter does a vi- does the roundtables all the time, right? Yeah. There's a video with him uh, with Rob Lowe, and uh, during a comedian's roundtable where he tells the story about that Oscars. Okay. Um, it's hilarious. I go. Rec- I recommend you go watch it. I'm not. I'm. I'm going to butcher the story if I tell it here. It's a fantastic story. It's one of the best stories I've ever heard. Go watch Rob Lowe talk about the 1989. Oscars talks about Snow White. It was a Disney girl that was from Disneyland, so they practiced the whole routine. Whatever they're doing fine, uh, but now when they did this show, instead of having the place cards where it said like Tom Hanks, whatever you know, all these yeah. big celebrities, now all the big celebrities are actually in the seat. So she freaks out and goes up an extra octave, and that's why the song was so bad. Oh, like God. stuff like stuff like that, right? Like, they, like he tells this whole story of like how this happened. Yeah, no, it was, it was one of those. How he almost where, killed. How he thinks he killed Lucia Ball. <laughs> oh God, no, it's it's, it's great. One of those scenes where, like, like watching it, it was like again, it like it starts fine and then it just keeps. Oh getting, yeah, it just goes, and you're like, oh God, please let it stop. But enough Oscars. <laughs> we'll have to talk about those later. Um, another bits of news: there was an interview with Bob Iger at Barron's where he went in depth about the Disney plus streaming service. Sure. And one of the bits that came up there is Disney isn't going to stop making films that have an under a hundred million dollar budget. Anything that has over a hundred million dollars, they're going to do a theatrical release, but it sounds like some of their smaller things, like, cause they've had this regular, it seems like once every couple of years they do like the, the sports movie yeah. where it costs like 30 million to make. And then no one goes to see it. Apparently stuff like that, they're going to continue to make, but it's going to be exclusive for the streaming service. Okay. I'm into that. I mean, the thing that's interesting is the hundred million dollar kind of like, this is, this is the, this is like the cutoff. Cause like a movie like Spider-Man had a $90 million production budget. Yeah. So like that belongs on a bigger screen. Right. But like, you know, if that was a Disney movie, it would be put on their streaming service. Yeah. Apparently because I think one of the things in their lineup is like the live action lady in the tramp is going straight to the streaming service rather than going into a theatrical release. I wonder if that's because, as much as they've had some really strong performances like Maleficent, Cinderella, I think even Beauty, Beauty and the Beast, Beast did really well. They've also had a lot of ones not do great, but okay. Like Christopher Robin did okay. I think Peace Dragon did okay, but they never. But like, uh, I don't. Mm-hmm. I wonder if they were approaching like the break-even level to where like Disney their... still wants to make them, but doesn't really feel like it's worth the effort or the cost of doing a big theatrical. All their live-action remakes have done really, really well. Like, I think Dumbo's going to do a lot yeah. better than people expect. I think Milan's going to do better than people expect. I think The Lion King's going to be great. Like, yeah. I think the problem is, to get into just more box office business aspect of it, I don't think the problem was with the films that have underperformed. I think Disney overplayed their hand. I think they found a good formula. They're like, oh, let's take this formula and and apply it to everything. And they didn't think that part of the formula that worked was they released the first ones that did really well. They released it in March, which tends to... March is starting to become a bigger month, but there's not a major amount of competition. Whereas Christopher Robin coming out in August... 
August is like the end of the summer, so like the big temples have already kind of played out, right. but it's still the summer. Everyone's still going to be putting out stuff. I think Disney just needed to slow down their production cycle, keep all that stuff in March, and they should have had Mary Poppins in March and so uh, and Solo yeah. in December. I think that would have solved a lot of the problems that they've had with yeah. these not necessarily underperforming films in some cases, even though Solo definitely underperformed, but instead of being it decent performance i think they would have all seen a stronger performance but i think it's a good thing that they're saying yeah there's going to be this space for under 100 million dollar movies because i think that was that's a legitimate concern that if disney is going to have this streaming channel are they going to stop making these medium budget films because that's that's been dying in the industry right. you have like it's all either low budget or tentpoles over 100 million and with streaming we're st- i think we're starting to see that medium budget films can kind of exist they're just not going to necessarily either they're going to either go the netflix route where it's going to be a super limited release to theaters or it's going to just be straight video on demand so i think that's yeah i think it's a good idea i think I, it's a I'm, good spot I'm, again my thing is I would be more comfortable if they took it case by case rather than having a hard cutoff of... I don't think it's going to be a hard cutoff, but that's basically they, what Iger said is that's going to be the like a home for stuff like right. that. So, like, again, I'm, I'm hoping that they do take it case by case because, like, again, like a movie like Spider-Man, Disney is capable of something like that at a lower budget. And so I'd be concerned that, like, a movie like that doesn't get the theatrical release that it deserves and like the time that it deserves to breathe yeah and it's just stuck on a streaming service that but i wonder how much of that is looking at concern is if you look at how netflix puts out content they have so much content that comes out all the time and you never stuff gets lost it gets it. lost like, that's my it, concern is yeah like, is, there's some great stuff on netflix that gets lost because like, i don't think netflix ever markets it correctly i think it's right. like this thing's out and we're like wait that that was a thing i didn't even know it was a, a thing at all right and so you first hear about the thing. Well, because I think Netflix has runs to the problem of like thinking that something they're doing is bigger than it is. Yeah. Right. Like where I always joke about if if Valve just put out Half Life Three on the internet, right? Just shadow dropped it. Like here you go. Oh, the internet would break. Right. So like, but I think I feel like Netflix treats every one of their releases like it's Half Life Three. Yeah. And like they used to expect people to jump on it, and it's like, no. no. Because the amount of times I found stuff and I'm like, why didn't I know that Netflix made it? And then I discovered Netflix made it like two years years prior. And it's just like, it happens too often that it just means that I sit there and I'm like, "Uh, do I really want to go? Because at that point it's like three seasons in and I'm just like... That's a lot of time. It's a lot of time. It just like, it kind of kills the drive for it. But hopefully Disney's more the HBO strategy where it's less content higher quality compared to the Netflix strategy that exists right now, which is too much content. Quality (laughs) is kind of hit and miss. Right. It can either really hit or it can really miss. But we'll see. We'll see. And I mean, let's keep going. Let's just say we're in television now. James, let's switch over. James? Are we, did we switch? Oh, sorry. Dude, James is a beast. He's a beast. But the thing is, he he's he actually figured out stuff in OBS that I wasn't even aware of. So we're now, instead of having to do like three mouse clicks, he only has to do one. So he ninjaed that to where I wasn't sure if he had done it or if he was just like zoned out because he doesn't care about what we're talking about. No, James, James. Content that you came for, talking about how we make the stream. <laughs> it's important. <laughs> It's important to know. If you no. want to do this and take over, 
Yeah, he he ninja that to where I like I had no idea. Um, So anyway, let's to keep talking about uh, Disney. We have rumors of runtime and episode amount or number of episodes for The Mandalorian. Eight, right? Eight episodes, forty-five minutes, and I'm so happy with that. It's a sweet spot. It's a sweet spot because I know we've talked about this before, um, not on this because hey, first episode. we both have felt that when you watch the Marvel pieces on Netflix, yeah. they're really, really strong. And you get to episode seven and eight, and you're like, oh my God, this is one of the best scenes I've ever watched. And then it like falls it apart completely and just starts yeah. to just, you know, it drags. So I think Mandalorian being eight episodes, I'm so happy with that. I'm in. And like every everything from the set production that I've seen, everything like I've heard coming out of the set, like, I'm very excited for this movie. I mean... Or for this show. Between this and The Clone Wars coming back, I can't wait until Disney Plus is a thing. Just, I'm hoping that there's some Star Wars goodness, like, day one. I mean, I'm sure there will be. I'm I'm very happy. Um, Another thing, have you watched... uh, This is something that crossed my attention, just because this was... Uh, based on a game I played a lot when I was a kid. Uh, did you see the Carmen Sandiego trailer for I Netflix? I did. What'd you think? I need to see. I need to see more. But like, yeah. I think it looks cool. I think from the look, it looks cool. The look, it looks cool. But my thing was, in all the games and everything, Carmen Sandiego is always the villain. It's always been Carmen Sandiego does this outrageous thing where she steals like the Eiffel Tower. Yeah. And in watching this show, I'm like, is she going to steal the crazy, outrageous stuff? Because, like, the whole, one of the themes in the trailer is, she's the thief that steals from other thieves. And I'm like, are we trying to turn her into the hero? Like the Robin Hood kind of character. Yeah, the Robin Hood kind of character. Because I I still want my Carmen Sandiego to steal, like, Buckingham Palace. Right. (laughs) Like... Are we going to get to that? Because apparently Netflix... I want to see the Venom version of... Yeah. Of like, Carmen Sandiego. I still want my Carmen Sandiego to be the Carmen Sandiego I knew as a kid. And I'm wondering if this isn't just going to be an origin story type thing, because apparently Netflix also is doing a live-action Carmen Sandiego movie with Gina Rodriguez not only voicing Carmen Sandiego in the cartoon, she's playing Carmen Sandiego I like in that. the movie. So are we getting a Carmen Sandiego expanded universe? And are we going to... I'm like, totally with that. I'm and totally so with Netflix, this. Netflix, please... If you're listening, I'm an oh, I'm I'm a I used to play Carmen San Diego, but the game that grabbed me in the in the vein of children's point and click adventure games, bring back Spy Fox. <laughs> <laughs> no, because James and I have we're talking about this because um, we found his old copy of Carmen San Diego, and I, oh, think really? I still have my old copy Dude. somewhere on disc. Oh, I think James is going to grab it. So my thing is. I loved that game. I got to the point... Oh, my God. Yeah, like, so... Let me see this thing. Yeah, so this is, like, the old-school, late 90s Carmen Sandiego. This brings back memories, man. I played that thing to death. I think I... Like, I was telling James this. I think I got to the point where I was... I could solve the cases in under 10 minutes. Yeah. Just because I played it so much. Just you know what's going on, right? I just knew what was going on, but... That happened to me with Spy Fox. So, Spy Fox... Was was sim- almost the exact same thing like this, but he's a fox that's a spy, right? Um, and so they released it on iOS maybe like a couple oh, of years yeah? ago. So I bought it, 
And I was like, I'm going to have so much fun with this. And I beat it in like a half hour. And I was yeah, like, oh, no, right. it's like, I was like, this was a lot harder when I was a kid. James and I have literally been looking into emulation and all that so we could <laughs> so we can play it. Dude. Because I, I want to play it again. Like, as You can much find as this online, probably. I think there is ways to um, go to very... Because I think it's technically Abandonware. Is it a GOG game? Uh, no, I've looked. Oh, okay. Um, but I... I know people have found ways to make it work because there's like because this was Mac OS nine. That's how old this game is. Coming soon, quality three Carmen San Diego. Do I totally, totally am down to do that as soon as we can figure out how to get the game to run. I'm totally down to do like an after show stream of Carmen San Diego. Dude, like, I'm totally in. Like it's just so I'm I'm excited because I've wanted Carmen San Diego content for a while. It's just like it's this property that I'm like. It's it's perfect. It's like it's '90s nostalgia for my generation. We all grew up. We watched the show, and like, where is it? And we're gonna start getting it. So I'm excited there. Yeah, I'm kind of like. Well, like the thing is, Netflix is so hit and miss with its adaptations. Yeah. Like, dude, Death Note was absolute garbage, but Series of Unfortunate Events, one of the best things I've ever seen. Oh yeah, Series of Unfortunate Events season three was great. I loved it. <laughs> Um, but totally binge watch that. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm again, it's like the Netflix apprehension and like the choices are making with Carmen San Diego. I'm kind of like, I'm not sure I'd go with that, but I'm wondering if it's just it kind of makes sense because you know, you have strong female character who's like just super smart, super savvy, can just accomplish anything. Yeah, that makes sense that you'd want that type of character to be a hero nowadays. Yeah, so the thief that steals from thieves might be the new trend, but I still want. You want the femme fatale. I want the femme fatale who steals the Eiffel Tower. All right. Totally like, in. And it's, so, Note the picture of the Eiffel Tower. Yeah. like it, So hopefully hopefully this is just the build up to the theft of the Eiffel Tower or the Louvre or apparently she's stealing everything she's in France. The, she's playing the long con. But it's like, who knows? But I'm excited. It's supposed to be, I think, coming out later this month. Ooh. And again, true That's to Netflix soon. form, the trailer hit. Like this week or last week, and it's out this month. So we'll probably we'll we'll circle back on that in a later episode of Carmen San Diego. But moving on, speaking of your whole bit about Spider-Man, Sony is exploring branching out of the Spider-Verse and bringing it into television. Right. Well, I know they. I know the sequel greenlit. Uh, I know they're doing a spinoff movie with the Spider Women. So they're doing Spider Gwen, Silk, and Spider Woman. Um, this is a different thing that I'm not sure how I feel about, but it would be interesting because I think, I think Disney still has the rights to Spider-Man TV, right? Yes. Um, because there's the ultimate Spider-Man show is Disney. It's Disney. Um, so I don't know how this works rights wise. They would obviously need approval from Disney. I don't know if Fox, I don't know if Sony would be the ones producing. It I still. wonder though if this is the kind of thing that fell into that. If you're going to use Spider-Man in the MCU, we can use Spider-Man. So, ex- deal. I wonder if that got expanded into television to where both have TV rights. Right. But if I'm, I think Disney and Marvel look at Spider-Man in the sense where. As long as Sony likes making the content, we are making all the money. We're making money on merchandise. Right. So Disney, there's no downside for Disney letting them do it. No. Um, but yeah, it's going to be, it raises a bunch of like questions in terms of like the corporate side of things. Right. But in terms of the. 
And then also, like, content side of things, I'm interested to see what they have planned. Also, like, what are they going... Like, obviously, the art style is important and, like, probably the most important reason of, like, why this is going to get an audience. Um, But, like, what what stories do they tell that... Like, Ultimate Spider-Man right now, or the show that's running right now, has Miles Morales in it. It has the older Peter Parker. It has Spider-Gwen in it. Like, what... What like they, what are they going to do different? Yeah, right. Like they just did the Spider Verse arc maybe like earlier this year or last year in the show in the new Spider Man show they're running right now. Like what are they going to do differently for this show that they do it right? Like that's my concern. Maybe it could follow the movie and like you know go through Miles Morales growing up as and learning as a, as a new Spider Man. But then what do you do for a sequel? Right? Like, yeah. This then, is this just adds questions that I don't questions want. Questions also like because the art style I have a feeling isn't cheap. So are they going to just switch? Well, to, remember like, they 2D? did the whole they did the whole movie for ninety million. Yeah. And like Incredibles two obviously had a longer cycle, but was like two hundred million dollars. Yeah. And then like. uh I think Wreck-It Ralph had a budget of like 170, 160 million. Like Spider-Man was made relatively cheap. So yeah, I think the advantage of just Sony being the smaller studio, right? That they were able to do it on the cheap. And I think I wonder how much of their choice of the art style, which is I think fantastic. I wonder if that helped because it enabled them to do like you said they animated on ones and twos for the characters that means instead of having to do a full 24 frames of motion per character you're only doing 12 right um which probably in the grand scheme of things might make render time faster and also might make it cheaper to animate i actually don't know that don't quote me on that james is shaking his head no which means i'm probably wrong and i'm sure (laughs) i'm sure i'm gonna get a note from kelly at some point going logan you're an idiot but yeah. uh, I don't think that I don't think that has any much to do with it. But like I think it, I think it's more a thing of like they made the movie relatively cheap. I'm, I don't know where they cut costs or where they're saving money, but like maybe they could scale the budget down and, and still have retain the same I at least art style that you wouldn't notice the difference. Like you know, scale it down a little bit. Yeah, I mean it's it's interesting that Sony. I, I, I don't remember where I saw this, but someone basically said it, that Spider-Verse shows Sony has finally figured out how to handle Spider-Man outside of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm, I don't think that's You don't think so? Yet. No. Mm-hmm. I think this is a very different case. I think, like, the art style is different. I think, like, the problems that they had with live action were... You can get a lot, away with a lot in animation that you can get get away with in live action. So, like... Just ask DC, right? Yeah. DC understands animation, understands the animated film. Seriously. Uh, they don't understand live action yet. Yeah, no, the live action stuff has always has been more missed than hit. I still need to see Aquaman. But uh, I remember, like, the if you look at the pinnacle of superheroes and animation, it's the DC animated universe. Yeah, but even, then, even the newer movies they're putting out, right? Like, the, the new Justice League movies, the Batman movies, like, Bad Blood, I think, is a fantastic animated Batman film. Go watch that. Um, like, the, the Killing Joke they did that was animated, like, all that stuff is fantastic. Um, but they just can't transfer that over to the live-action side. Yeah, um, and obviously they understand that their animated stuff is better and is great, and they just haven't, as a company, been able to do that. Obviously, Warner Brothers and like a lot goes into that, but like they they have a template that they just haven't been able to put over. So I think for Sony, it's the same thing of you can't think that 
what works in live action or what works in animation for a movie like this is going to fix their, th- all of their live yeah, action Yeah, I think problems. the live action stuff that might still be a mess, but I think what the argument the person was making, and I, again, don't remember where I saw this, was by doing something very different than what they had attempted in live action that they this might be the formula they need to follow. Instead of trying to emulate the MCU, they just need to do their own thing with the characters they right. have. Um, but I could see that. We'll, we'll see how they handle it. I didn't enjoy Venom, though, so I don't think that that's necessarily the case. I haven't seen Venom, and I never... I didn't care enough to go see no, it. No, don't, don't see Venom. Um, okay, I don't want to tell you what to do. Go see Venom, make your own decisions. And then... Don't complain to me when I feel it's bad <laughs> and you come back and you're like, it was terrible. And the final bit of TV news that we have to go over is in an interview with Jim Cramer, Tim Cook said that Apple's releasing a new service later this year and everyone is assuming that we're going to now have another streaming service this time from Apple. And my take is it might be too little too late. How about you? Please stop making different streaming services. Please. It's... I can't handle this much, this much content. And like, I love the content, but like, I know it's like you, it's kind of like, it's the CBS, uh, all access problem. If you only have one show that people want to watch, I'm going to do the trial, binge it. And then never sub. Yeah. And who knows if Apple even has shows that... Because if Apple has shows where it's like, oh, this is like the new HBO, I might think about it. But I'm not holding my breath. No. It's not like Disney where I know there's going to be enough Star Wars content that I'm subscribing day one. Right. This one, I'm just like, eh, I've already I've already got Netflix and Hulu and HBO and all that. Yep. And, and soon Disney again i feel like it's too little too late and then on top of that i even have amazon just because of amazon prime it's like maybe that's how that's going to be apple's secret is that they're going to either bundle it and try to make apple music that much more of a value media right yeah trying to make that more of a value but i don't if they try to do another service that's like 10 bucks it's like well there's two services for 10 bucks that i won't buy yeah um oh by the way shout outs to the hbo like yearly trailer or like trailer for the for the year that was a nice little trailer uh, yeah shout outs to that for the shot that we got of rorschach for the watchman series i'm very excited for that yeah that one is gonna be a fun one that's i didn't realize it was coming out later this year the moment yeah. that hit i was like oh that's this and the, year and the, and the rorschach that they showed looks awesome uh, totally in <laughs> yeah let's let's see how i'm, I'm looking forward to that one but yeah, I think that's. Is there anything else TV wise you no, like discussing? All right, James, let's move on to games. So I have two bits of news. I know there's one you really want to talk about, so let's talk about the other one. Uh, this isn't actual news, but more like an, an analyst piece, which means this could either be complete hogwash, but I think it's something worth thinking about and discussing. And the analyst has argued that given the success of all these free-to-play games, especially Fortnite, they're arguing that we're soon going to see stuff like Overwatch and Call of Duty go free-to-play. Yeah, so I've heard this rumor, um, and I agree with the Overwatch one. I don't agree with Call of Duty, but yeah, I agree with Overwatch. I agree with the Overwatch one. That makes no sense. Um, Call of Duty is weird because Blackout's doing really well now. I think it's... I think in terms of pure gameplay and and as a game... Blackout is the best battle royale on the market. Obviously, it's behind a paywall, and 
Which it, immediately it's going to limit right. the audience. And they don't do as much in terms of what Fortnite and PUBG do in terms of changing up its game and like you know adding new stuff and skins and all kinds of stuff like that. Like it doesn't do that. But just in terms of pure gameplay and like what it is, I think Blackout's the strongest one of the group. Um, the reason why I don't see this happening is because of the way that Call of Duty is produced on a production cycle. So it, it goes on that three-year cycle right so it goes Treyarch, infinity infinity uh, infinity ward and, and um there's I don't know uh, sledgehammer one. so once the new game comes out i think infinity wars next once the new call whatever call of duty comes out they're not gonna have blackout and if they do have blackout it's gonna be called something else it's not gonna be called like blackout 2 right yeah so now you're just gonna have are you just gonna have blackout as a separate mode that's not going to change with the rest of the Call of Duty series, then you run into a situation of like that does that now just become a completely different version of Call of Duty that doesn't change and evolve with the rest of the games and like make it so you think if they do a free to play they might do a standalone that's just Well like otherwise it just makes sense, right? Because yeah. otherwise then you have this free to play mode on Black Ops four that doesn't live with the rest of Yeah Call of Duty, right? Like it doesn't like Call of Duty, even on its even in its pro scene, like what it does is it just drops whatever the whatever the old game is drops like a like a sack of bricks and then then in, the, in, yeah, in then comes the game new, just right? moves yeah right so like then the community moves with it yeah, right exactly. like now what you're doing if you do it free to play here is that now everyone's just gonna play Blackout and then you fracture your audience yeah right like this it's a weird case I could see them doing it because of how the free to play market. Is, War is booming yeah. with Fortnite, but I think it'd be an awkward situation. I think it doesn't work for Call of Duty, but my thing with Overwatch is, first off, Overwatch already has most of that stuff kind of already there right. with how it functions. It's just that it's behind the paywall of you have to buy it before you get Right. I mean, it's all, all loot boxes, stuff. right? It's like, all loot boxes, that you can, and you can buy the right. loot boxes. So Overwatch is already kind of pre-built to have that um, work. Right. But I think the real reason why Blizzard would be thinking about it would be less, oh, hey, we can make so much money if it goes free-to-play. I think it's more Overwatch League. Because I have found that when you watch um, competitive Overwatch, it is so hard to follow unless you play the game that they're already limiting the audience that can watch it. And by making it free-to-play, they can hopefully expand that audience. I think think we've talked about it before. And I've been calling it for years that Overwatch League will struggle. And has struggled, and they're not making any decisions. Personally speaking, I don't think they're making any decisions that lend to the idea that they will yeah. right the ship. Um, and remember, I call, I've called this for years, so this isn't anything this new. Is, yeah, like, this, this is a conversation <laughs> you and I have had for a while, where it's like, we like some of the things that they're doing at Overwatch League, go, but we go, don't think it's... Go to my Twitter and search, search, ter- search terms OWL. You'll first you'll see my obsession with owls and like the sounds that they make, but then you'll also see my criticisms of Overwatch League, and I've been very vocal about it over the yeah, last. Yeah, I couple think years. I think this is especially once Overwatch League gets closer to starting. I think we should actually have like a full on discussion on. Oh Overwatch yeah, League. I can I can fully break yeah, down I for think you, but because um, there's so many aspects of it that I think we could go into about yeah. why it may or may not work with, with the things they're yeah, doing. Yeah, and like but, just just speaking as an insider now. A lot of people within the industry, within the esports industry, both people that work in the industry and sponsors around it, aren't 
very convinced on Overwatch League either. So like th- yeah. it's a, it's a very big concern for them. So I think I, I agree with you that like making it go free to play just gets it back into the cultural zeitgeist. Yeah, and I think like that brings it back in because I think Fortnite stole a lot of the thunder, right? Yeah, I so, think like, Fortnite, did. Fortnite stole a lot of thunder for everything. PUBG right. and Overwatch and, like, and the, got hit by the it. thing that was that's crazy. And like I've thought about this a lot because it started to come up over the last like couple of months and. I actually have trended more and more in agreement to it is that Overwatch or that Fortnite has become the most important game of this decade. Um, and I think that it's true. I think it's true in a lot of different cases, but I think it's true mainly in the sense of like, and I was trying to, so my cousins, so obviously holidays, right? So yeah. I, had, I had some cousins in town um, and we, were, we had a big holiday party and so uh, I have a couple cousins that have children that are nine and seven. And so, of course, they don't like shooters or they want to play Fortnite. All their friends are playing Fortnite. Um, they, and they, they're, not, they're worried about them playing shooters, right? Of course, very yeah common parent problem, right? Um, and the thing that I described to them wasn't the idea of Fortnite as a game, right? And it's the idea of like, like when we were growing up and like, so the, the idea that they brought, brought up was like, you know, when I was with, like, all his friends want to do is sit there play Fortnite. And, like, when I was growing up, you know, we were going to go outside and, like, hang out and, like, go to the mall or do whatever, right? And, like, well, my argument and my, not argument, but my point of it is, like, and I experienced this watching them play Fortnite and, like, watching kind of kids around their age group play Fortnite is it's become a way for them to socialize. Yeah. Because of a... Because, like, back back then, like, kids were allowed to go outside and, like, go off by themselves and, like, hang and out. And that's less things, of right? a thing nowadays. That's less of a thing now. Like, the, wor- the world is, quote, unquote, a dangerous place now, right? <laughs> so, like, parents aren't letting kids outside of the house. And so, like, they can't drive. They can't go anywhere by themselves. Like, getting on Fortnite with your friends is less about playing the game. It's less about winning and, like, trying to win and, like, play the game. It's more about, like... We're just hanging out and spending time together. Well, that's how I feel even as an adult when I play computer games with friends right. is a lot of it but is... But, like, we even have the ability to go out to a movie and yeah. do whatever, right? Like, so yeah. But, like, for them, like, this is the outlet that they have. And Fortnite has really become that. And and Epic's leaned into that so heavily of, like, this is just an... Ex- it's, it's not... Like, a lot of the gameplay changes they make aren't gameplay related, they're, they are just, like, adding things into the game where it's like, hey, come dance at this spot or, like, come hang out over here. Like, it's more of just an experiential thing rather than it is a competitive thing. Um, and I think it's really cool. And I think it's something that a lot of companies aren't getting when they're making these games of, like, let's make it free to play or whatever. Like, it doesn't – like, I think League of Legends and Dota became that as well. And, like, CSGO have become that where it's, like, these are places to hang out with your friends. These yeah. Are pla- these are social spaces for you to be and in. I th- and I think that's something – it's like I said, as an adult, it's like, for me, if I'm going to play a game as a game, I'm usually going to play a single player game. Yeah. The moment I'm doing a multiplayer game, I don't find I don't really want to play unless I'm playing with my friends. Because for me, right. a lot of it is the social aspect. Right. And it's Fortnite. It can play on my phone. It can not play right. on this iPad, but it can play on iPads. It right. can be on your Xbox and you... Even on your PlayStation now on the same account yeah. because Sony finally finally buckled. buckled. And like but that's the crazy thing too is the thing is that's crazy. It's is, everywhere. But the like the craziest thing and like someone brought it up to me and I never thought about it this way until until they brought it up was think of how many games have asked for 
for crossplay, right? Like Rocket League was a big one where it's like Rocket League wanted crossplay, and Sony was like, no. And like all these company, all these games, the popular games, like Call of Duty's talked about it, like everyone's talked about it. Microsoft has come out and said, like, yeah, we want to play crossplay. Like everyone's talked about it, and Sony's been like, no. We're not doing crossplay, and then Fortnite made them buckle to their knees. Yeah, because it was like it, they find there was finally a game that was more popular than Sony corporate's like willpower. Yeah, like dude, like like think about it. This game, this game that shouldn't have succeeded, this game that had to pivot and it pivoted into this thing accidentally, made one of the most powerful gaming companies in the world buckle <laughs> to its whim. <laughs> Yeah. Like, think about that. Think about how, what other game could do that? Like, it's such an important game. And again, I like Fortnite. Do I think it's the greatest game of our generation? No. But it's definitely but it's, the defining it, game. It's a defining game, and it's an important game. Not for gameplay. Like, cause I think, I, again, I think, Blackout, I think Blackout is a better mode than Fortnite is. Right? Or Fortnite's, yeah. like, Battle Royale. I think it's better. I think PUBG, in a lot of aspects, is better. I think it's probably one of the weaker of the major battle royale games but what it's doing is so important you can't you can't get away from it you it's can't like, it's everywhere unavoidable you know it's big when it gets an snl sketch yeah and gotta, everyone understands it dude ninja what ninja was on june fallon ninja was on ninja ninja hosted the the uh, hosted at new york new york at uh, times square yeah that's right he was ninja was on new ninja was ninja was on the main screen streaming for eight hours at Times Square, during on one of the big screens at Times Square, was just Ninja's stream. Yeah, it's... During New Year's Eve. Fortnite crossed from just being a gaming thing and just became it's a, a cultural, cultural thing. thing. And, like, so quickly. It's... Yeah, so it's kind so of like those... every and And, like, so much in the way that Minecraft changed the thinking of... Like, in the, in the 2000s to now, even now... Minecraft changed the way the next decade thought about games in terms of like beta, game in progress, uh, having people play through while you're building your game, things like that. Like the way that Minecraft, not the gameplay of Minecraft, but game the way that Minecraft was run and produced and the way that it affected the culture and the way that it, it ran affected the way we view games from 2009 when it came out to now, right? Fortnite's going to do the same thing from now until the next thing. The next thing. Yeah. Right. And you know what? I'm all for more social stuff with games because that's it's honestly half the reason I play anymore is to play with my friends. Right. Um, but let's go on to the big thing. The thing I know What's you really thing? want to talk about. What's the big thing? It was like a flashback from the 2000s instead of the 2010s. Bungie. Yeah. Super excited. So, if you don't follow uh, gaming news at all, Bungie is the developer that made the original Halo game with Halo, uh, Halo, Halo 2, Halo 3, Halo Reach, and Halo ODST. I think that's yeah. all they did. Yeah. Reach was the last one. Reach was the last one. They split from Microsoft. So, Microsoft has now an in-house studio that does all the Halo stuff. Named, called 343. So 343. Named after Bungie then started to make the other, the new big game, Destiny. But they did that as a partner with Activision. Right. And the news broke that uh, Bungie is going to now start to self-publish their games. And buy, I think they had to buy themselves out of the contract with Activision. I don't know if they bought themselves out, but there was a mutual agreement that they will split and part ways with Activision. And that they are... 
most importantly, retaining the Destiny IP and the branding of yeah. Destiny. So, I, huge fan of Halo 1 through 3. Sometimes I even still sit down and be like, man, I need to do a replay. Uh, I've only got about 20 minutes into Destiny 2, and that's only because... Did you buy it? No, it was free oh, okay. for that brief period of time last year, so I got it then. Got it. So I only have about 20 minutes in. First off, I don't have to be sold on Bungie being awesome and having their own control over stuff. Right. You know, to me, I'm like, that's great. Why don't you break it down? Because I know you're bigger on Destiny. Uh, so again, huge Destiny player, huge Destiny fan. Uh, a lot of the changes... I, okay, we have to see what they do, right? So a lot of the changes, or a lot of the criticisms that Activision of Activision has been a lot of monetization stuff and a lot of, you know, microtransaction-y kind of stuff. Destiny doesn't have a ton of that, and the stuff that they do have isn't important. Um, so I don't know if that's going to have a huge change. I will say that a lot of the stuff that they push, like expansions or add-ons or things like that, do feel rushed. So when you're on your own time you and you're not answering to a publisher, you don't have to worry about deadlines. And so... I could see them taking a lot more time, and a lot of these things coming out could take longer, but be better quality when they do come out. Yeah, because I've noticed a trend, because I still follow the news, yeah. uh, gaming news anyway, even though I don't play Destiny, is it always seems like there's this two-week period after the expansion comes out where... They fix everything. Where they fix everything. Yeah. but they And they come out seemingly right away of like, hey, we know these are problems, and we'll fix them. And they fix them, and it's all good, right? Like, that's what always happens. And the thing that always happens with Destiny 2 is like, there's always one expansion that sucks, that's terrible, and then like the second expansion that's like fixes everything, that does great, and then the next expansion is shit, and then they fix everything. And, like it, it goes in waves. So again, a lot of those problems don't sound like Activision problems. They sound more like Bungie trying to figure out what this game is and like how would, because again, like like we're saying, games of service, games of service. What Fortnite's doing isn't easy. Yeah. Like, being able to put content out that everyone automatically likes or is into right away is hard. So, I think Bungie's trying to find their way. And, like, in some ways they have. In some ways they take steps back because they experiment. And, like, I like that they experiment. Um, But it does ruin the game at times. They do really kind of ruin progression and ruin, ruin the game. But, I mean, the curious thing here... I think it's less about Bungie and it's more about Activision. And I think the one that the elephant in the room is like, when is when is Blizzard going to break away? Do you think that's going to happen? Because didn't Blizzard like I thought the merger was. Well, the merger, it wasn't a, it wasn't mm, that's a little more complicated because like yeah. Bungie was an acquisition, but Blizzard was more not 50 50, but was more of a merger. Yeah. Uh, the concerning thing that goes against this argument was Mike Morheim leaving. So Mike Morheim uh, was one of the founders of Blizzard. He basically is Blizzard. Like everything that you love about Blizzard and what everyone loves about Blizzard as a classic company in its original sense and like its country, its, its company motto and mantra and like the, the aura around the company comes from Mike Morheim um, as a founder and as a CEO for the past two decades right um so he was he a lot of people within the company said forced out of his ceo position okay um in the last year or so so he stepped down at blizzcon into an advisory role um uh and so uh the new director i forget his name but he was the former gameplay direct or game director at um 
for WoW. So um, a lot of monetization, a lot of like, you know, yeah. an Activision type of person. Um, and Mike Morham has very much been the gameplay and like story and, and what you love for about Blizzard kind of a guy, right? Yeah. So very different styles, very different personalities there. Um, so he steps into an advisory role at BlizzCon. So that's in, what, October? Um, so it just comes out now that uh, I think in a press release, they didn't even make a statement about it. They made a press release and uh, stating a lot of different things. But in the press release, there's a statement in there that Mike Morheim will be leaving his advisory role in April. Uh, and, um, that and fully of, leaving the company. so Which kind of kills any thought of, of Blizzard like, splitting from Activision. Right. So... To me, that says a lot that someone like that, whether he was forced or not, is leaving. It says a lot. Yeah. So, no, it'd be interesting to see how it goes because I know. So yeah, I, I, I'm excited for the for to get back to the original topic. I'm excited for Destiny to be taking over Bungie full time and like maybe get rid of some of the monetization stuff and like really focus in on what they do best. But at the same time, a lot of their missteps. I don't feel like our Activision missteps. Be interesting to see how it goes out because it's yeah. again, I don't have that much time into Destiny. I need to actually dive into it a bit more. But knowing what they did with like Halo in particular, it's yeah. like there if there's any one studio that I think needed to be its own publisher and I'm glad it's in the position where it can be, it's Bungie. Yeah. So it's let's see what let's see what they do. Uh, anything else you feel like discussing at all? No, I'm I'm pretty good. I think that about does it. James, let's roll credits and call it a day. So, folks, if you haven't done so already, please like, share, subscribe, and do all the lovely, fun social stuff that we are supposed to tell you. Other than that, see you in a couple weeks. <laughs>